0: Alia, bring it. Here we go. Kill it. Hello. Hey. How good to be in the house of God tonight. I feel, oh man, I am so pumped to be uh, bringing the word. By the way, you can take a seat. Sorry. First time. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> I am so pumped to be bringing the word of God. I must say it is odd to be uh, giving the message rather than receiving, but it's an honour all the same. Uh, I want to honour two people in the house Tonight, as Pastor Sam said, I work here at the church, so they are my bosses. They are also my pastors and my friends and our mentors. Pastor Sam and Carolina, wow. <laughs> I can't thank you enough for um, this privilege. I haven't even got to the good bit yet, but thank you. I'm going to uh, read my notes because these are actually really incredible uh, stats, I guess you could say, facts. Uh, They started their legacy 15 years ago with youth ministry at City Point Church, Carindale. And since then, they have seen over 10,000, I'm going to say that again, 10,000 decisions for Jesus. And the number keeps getting added daily. And uh, they, in September, will be celebrating five years of being our location pastors of City Point, Redcliffe. And uh, on behalf of my family and I, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for having eyes to see, thank you for having ears to hear the Spirit of God and lead me, my family, we collectively, uh, to advance the Kingdom of God. It's honestly such a privilege, thank you. Can we honour them? Amen. Uh, So, do you even Bible this theme of July has been really exciting for me. Has anyone learnt something in the month of July of this theme? Me and Danny and Tanya, right on. Oh, Adam up the back, I see that hand. Um, I have loved this theme and I'm going to uh, do something a little bit differently tonight. Still stick within the theme of Do You Even Bible, but the theme that comes up for me is legacy. And like I just said, uh, Pastor Sam and Carolina, they lead us with such a great legacy that they've done up until this point and that they take us into as well. Um, but I want to, uh, focus on that because I believe that we're coming into a time where, uh, there's a scripture in the Bible that says young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. And I honestly, wholeheartedly believe that we are going to, we're living in a time where that is coming to fruition now more than ever. Um, I believe that pop culture is on its way out and a spiritual culture is coming and taking a hold of the young people of this generation and every generation, every uh, demographic, every age and it's a really exciting time to be a part of. Anyone else? Can anyone say amen? Yeah. Um, So we're going to tackle David and Goliath tonight because I believe that, uh, can someone hold this? Sorry, there's not enough. I had to go old school with my notes, so I've literally printed off 11 pieces of paper. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Taking after uh, Pastor Sam with the old school (laughs) methods. Yeah, amen. Nothing wrong with old school. So uh, the backstory of David and Goliath, we have two men, Samuel and Saul. Samuel's a prophet, and Saul at the time was a rando, that uh, the people of Israel were like, ah. we need a king because we don't trust God as our king. We have to put our faith in man. Whoa. So God's like, okay, Samuel, my man, uh, can you tell Israel that I'm going to anoint Saul to be king and he can uh, rule them and if he's obedient to me, then all his descendants will be prosperous until the end of time. Sweet deal. Uh, So Samuel does that out of, like, you know, an obedient heart to God. And he's like, sure, God, I'm your guy. I've heard you. I'm going to do that. He goes and finds Saul. And he's like, Saul, uh, you're going to be king of Israel. Awesome. Saul's like, oh, me? Okay. Like, I'm just a rando. I'm just a random kid. But, like, if you say so, if God says so, let go. Um, So Samuel anoints Saul as king. Saul does a few foolish things. Uh, as king, he disobeys God to fulfill what he saw, thought was right. He puts a nation in danger by taunting the enemy and it backfires in their face, kills two, almost two and a half thousand men, small things. Uh, and now all of Israel live in fear because of one man's disobedience. Huge, right? Because of one man's disobedience, a whole nation suffers. And um, so God tells Samuel to rebuke Saul because of his disobedience, and tells him there'll be a new sheriff in town who has a heart after him. It says that in uh, chapter uh, thirteen, verse fourteen, I believe. And it turns out it's this kid from Beth, uh, this kid from Bethlehem called David. Yeah, but now your kingdom. This is uh, Samuel talking to Saul. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people, the Israelites, because you have not kept the Lord's command. Heavy days. Um, So we meet David and, spoiler alert, David defeats this guy called Goliath, which is like this giant from the Philistines and um, frees a nation of fear and eventually became king and all he required was the name of the Lord God Almighty the Spirit of God imparted into him and what was in his hands to take down the giant all right everybody bow your heads close your eyes we're done here (laughs) Um, so I want to talk to you tonight about what the Bible tells us it gives us a few keys on how to live a godly legacy would anyone like to learn about that tonight Amen. Okay, so the first one is, God blesses those who have postures of obedience. And when we're not obedient, we walk in Saul's footsteps. And I don't know about you, but I can't afford to walk in Saul's footsteps in 2018. I don't want to put my generation in a state of fear because of my disobedience to God. Right? Right? parents in the house, I'm talking to you about your, your kids. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you want that. I want to be known as a woman of God who had a godly legacy, and my children, my unborn children, and their children's children live for God. Amen? All right, so I'm scrapping that page because I scratched that scripture. Legacy can be built on trust and obedience. Example: Samuel. And legacy can be stifled by arrogance and obedience. Example: Saul. Um, we pick it up. So after God uh, realizes that Saul's been disobedience, disobedience. Excuse me. He says to Samuel, "Mate, that guy that we anointed to uh, be king over my people, yeah, he did a bad thing. He did a very bad thing." And um, he can't be king no more. <laughs> he, uh, he didn't walk in the anointing. He didn't hear, uh, uh, you know, adhere to my word. And so he can't be king anymore. So I've sought out um, a man after my own heart. His name's David, as we know. And Samuel's all like, oh, I feel kind of bad because I kind of liked Saul. Like he was a good guy, I thought, but he was disobedient. So, well, okay, I'm with you, God. Let's go and find this guy. So uh, we pick it up in chapter 16, verse 1. Samuel's having like a bit of a pity party. He's like, mm, Saul was a good guy, but um, the Lord said to Samuel, this is in verse one, "How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil, and in the Old Testament, uh, oil represented the Holy Spirit, and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king." So uh, Jesse is a guy who has eight sons no thank you in the name of Jesus, Um, (laughs) says the single girl with no kids, even still, no thank you, Um, and yeah, he has eight sons, and so Samuel's like, well, okay, uh, I'm going to go on a quest to Bethlehem, off I go go and find uh, Jesse. And in my mind, when I read the Bible, sometimes I, I have such a vivid imagination. And so I imagine it in 2018. So I'm imagining like Samuel finds Jesse and it's like an American Idol audition. He like sits in a chair and he's like, bring him in, bring in the first contestant and I'll, I'll see if he's worthy. And so uh, he goes on the hunt for this illustrious man after God's own heart and um, yeah, finds Jesse and asks to see his sons. And then they start with the oldest. And I, look, the Old Testament, I can't pronounce these names. So I'm just going to say Eliab. Is that right? Sounds good. We'll go with that. Uh, Eliab starts because he's the oldest. And he, I imagine him to be like this mighty warrior, you know, like he's got the guns and he's a tall, dark, and handsome, and like just struts around like this, and he kind of knows that he's a warrior. I feel like he would look like that. So he walks into the audition room, into uh, Bethlehem Idol. (laughs) He's walking in, he uh, stands in front of, you know, Samuel, and he's like, hey, I'm here. And um, God says in verse 7, well, actually God says to Samuel, he's like, no, 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 this is not the guy. You think that he's the guy. By, by looking at him, you think he's the guy, but this is not the guy. Verse 7, uh, For the Lord does not see as man sees. This is God putting a pause on uh, Samuel's thinking. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For the Lord looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. I so want to be known as that person that has a godly heart. I so want my life to emulate when I get into... Uh, the gates of heaven, after my time on earth is done. Um, I want to walk up to those gates and be greeted with that, that sweet, sweet message. Welcome home, good and faithful servant. Because serving is after God's own heart. Does anyone else agree with that? So they searched through all other seven boys, uh, well, six boys. And Eliab wasn't it. Uh, Abinadab, the OG Dabber, wasn't it. Uh, Shema wasn't it. And Samuel's like, come on, man. Like, I've, I've gone through three of the oldest and uh, three more. You've got eight sons. Surely there's another one. Jesse, do you have any more sons? And Jesse's like, well, yeah, I've got my youngest, David. But, I mean, he just tends to sheep. And, I'm, again, my imagination comes into play. And I think of uh, Nicholas Shalaitch. You know, like he's, uh, he's real small, but he's kind of like lanky, but so obedient, right? Like he's got such a pure heart. Um, and he's like, yeah, well, I've got, I've got David. He's my youngest. Uh, and Samuel's like, all right, bring him in. And so um, he actually Samuel actually says, look, we're not leaving until we see this guy, because the rest of your sons, they're not it. God hasn't told me that they're the future king of Israel. If there's one more, bring him in. And so uh, verse 12 and 13, he sent for him and had him brought in. That's uh, Samuel sending for David. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Side note, I have to lull at past me because in my Bible I wrote, ooh la la. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, anyway, then the Lord said... (laughs) Rise and anoint him. This is the one. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil, again, the Holy Spirit, and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. I believe that part of God choosing David was David's servant heart. He was faithful with the mundane. Who knows that if you are in a field with sheep and sheep alone, that's got to be boring, right? Doug knows. You know from experience? Yeah. Yeah. It, like for an extrovert, that sounds terrible. So in my mind, I'm thinking Daniel Myhill and Chelsea Vanderpoel would not be able to be shepherd's boys, you know? Because I'd be like, maybe they could be shepherd's boys together because they'd be just having fun and having, uh, doing games with the sheep, Like how many sheep can you stack up before they all fall over or something like that, you know? Um, but I think that the, the reason why David was a shepherd's boy and was such a good shepherd's boy was not only because he was the youngest of the family, because we've got to think about this culturally as well, um, which was why it was so amazing that Eliab wasn't chosen, because if anything happens to Jesse, the dad, the oldest boy takes over and brings honour to the family. And so it's actually countercultural that the youngest was chosen. Um, And I believe it's because of his servant heart and David bringing respect to his father by doing things daily that are mundane, like tending sheep. Um, Serving requires obedience, and obedience is a magnet for blessing. Um, Samuel the prophet needed the spirit of God and an obedient heart to carry through God's purpose and plan for David. And if he hadn't, I believe that David may not have been spirit-filled and or confident enough to have the fruit that he did in the Old Testament that we know about today. Um, The Spirit of God leads us and allows ordinary people like you and I to have and live with extraordinary spiritual confidence. With a posture of obedience toward God, the Spirit of God is backing us and nothing is impossible. Do you believe that tonight? I love being a part of this church because we are not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed of the Spirit of God. Uh, I love that we have a prophetic community with pastors like Vic and Kerry Lewis leading that and teaching our generation of how to uh, be embodiments of the Holy Spirit and take that into every sphere of influence that we have, our family, our workplace, etc. To be active in the ways of God, we first have to live obedient to the Word of God. The second thing is uh, God calls us to have legacies full of faith. So uh, Samuel, the prophet, brings David, the winner of uh, Bethlehem Idol, and he brings him back to Saul. So we've got to remember that Saul's just been rebuked as king, and he's probably like, who's going to take over from me then? Um, And this rando kid comes in, uh, Nick Shalate, and In previous chapters, whenever Saul had heard of mighty warriors, he actually asked them to be his armour bearer because he wanted to be in that kind of influence. He wanted to surround himself uh, with that kind of anointing. And so naturally, he took David under his wing as his armour bearer. And again, because of David's servant heart, he served his king. Uh, We fast forward a little bit uh, through a few chapters and David goes to visit his brothers at the battlefield, and the, what I'm talking about at the battlefield is the Israelites and the Philistines, they're going head to head. Like, they hate each other. Um, and Saul's disobe- part of Saul's disobedience was that... God gave him a mission to uh, wipe out a particular type of people and it just backfired in his face. And so now two groups of people hate each other and there's Philistines on one side with a giant called Goliath. Uh, The Bible says that he's nine and a half feet tall. So very similar to uh, Ben Donovan this morning, (laughs) if you were here. Uh, And the Israelites are on the other side of the camp being led by this disobedient king, King Saul, and everyone's just living in fear. Uh, they're like, oh, we don't we don't know if we can take this guy down. I mean, like one, he's massive. Two, he's he's coming out daily, morning and night, taunting us saying, "I'm going to get you blah 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 blah." I don't know. Whatever giants taunt with. Uh and David comes down to see his brothers and he brings like wine and cheese. And when I'm reading that, I'm like, come on. Uh, But his oldest brother, the first contender of Bethlehem idol, Eliab, he's like, what the heck is this guy doing here? He should be tending the sheep. He's the youngest. He shouldn't be on the battlefield. Only the oldest of the family get to serve on the battlefield. Only mighty warriors get to serve on the battlefield. And so he throws a little shade at uh, David and he's angry and he's envious that uh, David is working under the king as his armour bearer. And um, when David came to visit his brothers on the front line where uh, Goliath was in the enemy, Eliab's bitterness crept in. In uh, chapter 17, verse 28, it says, When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger and asked him, Why have you come down here? And with whom? You know when people are like really angry when they use proper grammar? Whom <laughs> did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Because that was his job, right? Just a shepherd's boy. Just a shepherd's boy. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You only came down to watch the battle. Damn. Like, you're not mighty enough to be here. You can't be here. You can't sit with us. Right? Right? <laughs> How easy would it have been for David if he weren't spirit-filled, if he didn't know that God was already on his side and that God already already had a plan to defeat the giant, to listen to the lies his brother Eliab, Eliab, Eli-, Eli-, Eli, Big E, was, uh, <laughs> was feeding him, you know? Uh, David knew who he was in Christ and he had a holy confidence because if we remember a couple of verses back, as uh, Samuel anointed him with oil, he imparted the Holy Spirit with him, and words didn't mean anything to him, like water off a dog 's back. Uh, Eliab and David were on the same team; they're actually part of the same family, right? They're brothers. Yet Eliab's bitterness could have divided them and created another war. We see this in our modern culture. Uh, Fear can have such a loud voice and carry a tone of bitterness and create division. And I believe that it is one of the tactics of the enemy in today's day and age. And it's got to stop. Unfortunately, what saddens me is that we see it creep into church culture. It's not okay. It's not of God. Uh, So we see, like, sometimes people have dominated... Domination... Denomination against denomination, church against church, uh, location against location, sometimes family members against family members. But you're on the same team. They were on the same team. Eliab, his brother, and David were on the same team. They served the same king and they were part of the same nation. And yet, Eliab's bitterness, because he carried that in his heart, it came out of his mouth. The Bible says, whatever's in your heart comes out of your mouth. And it could have divided them, but David's like, mm, not today, boy, please. And um, I just want to highlight what took place yesterday when uh, our illustrious leader, Pastor Carolina, uh, she spoke at a Catholic conference. Now, you've got to understand, she didn't ask to speak at this Catholic conference. They actually invited her. We are part of a Pentecostal movement, Right? We believe in the Holy Spirit. Awesome. So good. Catholics are, are like a little bit different, a little bit more uh, traditional, I guess. And yet they asked a female, which culturally is countercultural, to speak at a Catholic conference. And I want to get these stats right, so I'm going to read this again. Uh, Pastor Carolina spoke to over 600 people at a Catholic conference. That is sold out. Every ticket sold out, right? Um, as well as they did a live stream and that reached over four and a half thousand people and as the first non-Catholic female to ever speak in the Australian church. I love that. That confirms to me that God is up to something. That confirms to me. Yeah, amen. That confirms to me that the Spirit of God who lives in Pastor Carolina is going to preach the good news to another denomination And advance the kingdom of God. How good. When people get that we're on the same team, when people get that we serve the same God, blessing comes, which is so good. We can't allow our humanly emotion to overcompensate what the Spirit of God is doing. Uh, So while Eliab was spitting uh, bitterness towards his brother, David, uh, meanwhile, fear was the tactic of the enemy, which is Goliath. And as I said before, Scripture tells us that he was coming out morning and evening, daily for forty days. Uh, I don't know if my humanness would be able to handle that. No wonder they were crippled with fear. No wonder one person wouldn't go out and be like, eh, "It's, uh, it's too much. I can't do it in my own strength." And so. Uh, I believe that the enemy is impressive with his tactics because uh, he's consistent, but his tactics are simple. Strike him with fear daily, multiple times a day. Again, our current generation is experiencing this. I think that uh, fear, anxiety and depression are the main contributors to our current uh, generation's mental health decline. And it's got to stop. I've had enough. As part of the current generation, I've had enough. Um, let me tell you why. When I uh, graduated high school, uh, sorry, sorry, background knowledge about me, uh, I am blessed with one of the most amazing families ever. I don't deserve it, but I am blessed with one of the most amazing families. Um, my grandparents are pastors. They actually pastored this house, So I want to say, one, there's rich history here. Uh, And my parents, when they came together, they stood on the word of God and they said, if we're going to start a family, we're going to stand on the scriptures and the promises of Joshua that say, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. Um, My parents are such great examples of how to live a godly legacy. I wake up... uh, (laughs) daily and they're having their tea and breakfast and they've got the concordance out and they've got uh, their bible out and they've got their journals out and I see that every day morning and night and I don't really I can't really uh describe what happened but when I graduated high school all through high school actually I didn't read the word of God so I had no foundation I didn't uh surround myself with a healthy community and so unhealthy uh cultural culture I guess is being inputted into me rather than uh, that of a godly one and that's what I chose to do um and I could only hold a casual job at the time I was living week to week paycheck um because I didn't realize that God part of his name is actually uh, Jehovah Jireh he provides for me uh and so I would call in sick to work at this casual job quite often actually and I'm like look I don't even I don't even know why but I can't come in today I physically can't get out of bed seriously like I live 10 minutes down the road but I physically can't get out of bed um and then all of a sudden I'm like well, I bet I should go to the doctor so they can tell me what's like wrong with me like why do I feel like this I just feel so heavy all the time maybe I'm iron deficient Uh, And I was saying all these symptoms to my doctor and she's like, honey, you're depressed. And I was like, I felt like that meme, you know, on Facebook when he's like, (laughs) all shook and stuff. I'm like, excuse me? And no, no. And so I was on medication at the time and she's like, well, come back in three weeks and we'll see what, you know, medication we can give you because drugs are the only answer to the world apparently. Um, And so... I didn't go back because I didn't want depression to be real to me. Um, And my choices at the time had consequences. So I actually took myself off medication and I started having frequent anxiety attacks, but so bad that they would mirror symptoms of a heart attack. I'm 18 years old at this point, right? I remember there was one time in particular that my dad actually had to carry me into the emergency room. And because I'm like, I don't know, like 60 kilos or something. um, My dad's not as young as he used to be. Sorry, dad, love you. (laughs) But he's carrying like this grown woman. I'm an actual, I'm an adult now. And then he has to stop and he's like, because I can't walk, I'm so crippled with fear that I literally felt like my legs had given way and I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. I felt like my heart was going to jump out of my chest. There was pins and needles down my left arm and then it went numb. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? And then like after a while the doctor's like, sweetie, are you stressed? You just had a really bad heart uh, heart attack. Uh, (laughs) You just had a really bad panic attack. And I'm like, how can I be stressed? I can't even keep like a full-time job. I have a casual job. Like, are you serious? Like, what am I stressed about? Um, after I graduated there was so much pressure to be successful from like the world and everything and so much choice as well like too much choice I feel and so I'm just like oh my gosh the pressures of the world are on me and I didn't I didn't know how to function I didn't know that this brought life I didn't know that there were promises in here. Like, I did, I did know, actually, because of my parents, because of the things that they had invested into me over 18 years. But there was no revelation of it. Jesus wasn't real to me at this point. And so I'm literally on my knees in, like, a fetal position. and I'm just like, I have – I don't know which way is up. I have – I'm living under a name, right, a name of anxiety and depression – And I don't want to go on pills because, like, I don't even like tablets. Like, yuck. Um, But with today's day and age, I feel like social media is switching our current generation into that same pit. Young people, I just want to to encourage you, actually, please don't let social media or the words of men mould who you are. There's no fruit in that. There's actually no fruit in that. I know. I've been there, right? And um, young people are unknowingly opening themselves up to constant opinions from others and letting it affect the mind, body, and spirit. That's what I was experiencing. My mind was like had this big grey cloud over it. I couldn't see clearly. I couldn't. I couldn't walk, <laughs> right? Physically, physically, emotionally, mentally. Uh, uh, Spiritually and financially, I was living an inept life. I wasn't living at all. So that's why I love this song, um, Glorious Day, that uh, Jared led tonight. So amazingly, by the way. I love that song. I believe that, well, I think that that song is my testimony. Old Made New. You know? So good. Anyway, uh, again, what saddens me is the fact that this kind of mindset can creep into uh, Christian culture. And it's totally countercultural to the life we were A promised in his word, and B paid for by the blood of Jesus and I'm choosing to live against that. so uh, we again, sorry, back to the story, less about me, more about Jesus. Um, <laughs> we uh, David just finished visiting his brothers. Eliab's all salty, classic Eliab. And um, David's like, well, okay, I'm not going to listen to you. I know what I have to do. I see a problem. I'm going to solve it. Um, so he goes back to the king, Saul, because he's his armour bearer. And he's like, wait, uh, mate, Saul, Sauly, I think I can defeat this guy. And Saul's like, can you now? Nicholas Shalage, can you? Really? You're so young, so small. Okay. Um, and so <laughs> he's like, well, if you think so, let's go. Um, but you'll need, he's his big, right? Like I wish I had Nicholas Shalage and Ben Donovan here to like have a um, <laughs> physical example. Um, he's like, well, you'll need some armor. Here, I've got some armor. Just in my back pocket, it's made of bronze, so really heavy. Here's your uh, my tunic. So we pick it up in verse 38 and 39. Uh, Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put on a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. And again, I just image like Nicholas Chalet going... Buff because it's too heavy. (laughs) Um, And David fastened his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. And it says, I cannot go in these, trying to walk, right? He said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. He took them off. Words of man, I believe, and I feel like Holy Spirit wants to correct this tonight, Words of man are 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 holding heavy on some people. Take it off. Just take it off. Who cares what people think? God's on your side. Who cares what people think? You've got the Holy Spirit as a guarantee, as your helper within you, right? So he took it off. And, um, yeah, I said that. Uh, And then verse 40, then he took his staff in his hand chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. If you approach your enemy with this, he's already defeated. If you approach your enemy with the name of God on your lips, he's already defeated. Um, I believe that David knew this as well. I believe that because David knew that he was spirit-filled, he knew that God was on his side and he didn't need to rely on man. He had already won the battle. His faith actually won the battle for Israel. His faith saved a nation. Your faith can save your family and those around you. Your faith can save your school. Your faith can save your uni. Your faith can, you know... it. Save the great Southland and the Holy Spirit, because that's what we're called to live in. Amen? Um, And the third one is, God has called us to have legacies that are victorious. Eliab's conviction that David was highly underqualified was a fear-based opinion. Fear doesn't have a say when you go towards your giant in the name of the Lord. The the coming verses, uh, chapter 17, verse 45 to 47, are some of my most favourite verses in the whole entire Bible. Let's read it, verse 45, it says, David said to the Philistine, so David has just gone out with this, you know, the staff, uh, the five smooth stones, probably walking out like this, you know, walking real tall, head held held high. (laughs) Um, And he says... You come against me with sword... Sorry, side note. I can't read this and not be passionate, <laughs> right? And I don't feel like he said to Goliath, Hey, mate, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Uh, now, I think it was faith-filled, right? Uh, he said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty the God of the armies of Israel who you have to fight this day this Day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know, the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that this—it it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord. I just spat all over my notes in my Bible, but he says he will give you into our hands. Man, I'm about to preach. Okay. (laughs) No, but, but for real, what's the giant that you're facing right now? Mm-mm-mm. put yourself in David's shoes and you look at that giant you say hey fear you come against me with anxiety depression but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty come on there's faith in the room tonight oh spirit of poverty I see your threats of lack and having no prosperity and living week to week but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty spirit of bitterness you come against me and my family with division lack of honour and a spirit of anger but I come Come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Come on. There is actually nothing that we can't do when we go towards our enemy, go right up to his face and you say, hey, hey, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. And so he did that. He took his like little stones and he like put them in his sling and went right bullseye, right in his forehead and then Because he's nine foot tall, it's probably like an earthquake or something. <laughs> oh man. That is one of my favorite parts of the Bible when Goliath goes down, but it doesn't stop there, right? There's always something after victory. And I believe in Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 51, it says, "David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine sword and drew it from his sheath. This is him taking Goliath's sword, right? the guy that he just killed. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword and when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they stood there in awe. Is that what it says? They were like, oh, I saw Savi, you were the one, you are the chosen one, Uh, bow down to you. Uh, No. They turned and ran. They turned and ran. Why did they run away? One, because their hero was dead. Nah. What killed the hero? The name of the Lord. The enemy always flees at the name of the Lord. So when the enemy says, Bills, 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 you got so much bills. Faith says, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. When the enemy says, cancer, nah. Faith says, Jehovah Rapha, my healer. When the enemy says, anxiety and fear, faith says, Jehovah Shalom, my peace. And when the enemy says, your situation is impossible, faith says, El Elyon, God Most High. God most high. Your situation, your current situation is not your legacy tonight. It's not your legacy. The key ingredients to David's legacy was a person whose attitude was obedience, who was Samuel. And their answer to God was positioning themselves with a yes. The fruit from your yes far outweighs any struggle you may encounter. I'm going to land the plane here because Spirit Fingers over here is uh, telling me what time it is. I believe the, uh, the Spirit of God has called this house to exude a godly legacy. I believe this house was made for worship, I believe this house was built for the generations. I believe this house was built on a foundation of the Word and God's promises. I believe this house was built for the prophetic. And there's such rich history here. And there's more history waiting to be written. And I believe Holy Spirit wants to tear down anything that might be hindering you from living a godly legacy. Fear and anxiety are not of God. Depression is not of God. Lies and deception, whether you use them or believe them, are not of God. Guilt and shame is not of God. John 10.10 says, and I'm reading from the Amplified Version, The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. But I came, this is Jesus speaking, in my Bible this is printed in red. Right? It's in ink so it counts, right? Right? I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. The things that are not of God stifle your legacy. But when you choose to live by the Word of God and go at your enemy in the name of the Lord, abundance flows. Nothing can stop you. Nothing's impossible. And that's Jesus talking. Like I said, it's in red ink in my Bible, and that's a promise. That's the legacy God has promised us, a life of abundance. Can anyone say amen? So tonight, I want to pray for uh, two groups of people. The first group of people uh, are those that want to choose to have a godly legacy. And the second group of people Uh, are those that want to choose to continue to live a godly legacy. So if we wouldn't mind uh, bowing your heads and closing your eyes. I almost said close your heads and bow your eyes. I want to offer you an invitation tonight. I want to offer you an opportunity to live a godly legacy through relationship with Jesus Christ. I believe there's uh, people in this room, and maybe you haven't encountered the Spirit of God uh, before either, but I believe this Holy Spirit has had His hand on one particular person's heart because you've uh, been dealing with anxiety before, and it's actually crippling you, but Holy Spirit has had His hand on your heart, and you have felt overwhelming peace throughout tonight. Godly legacy is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if that's you tonight, can I ask you just while no one's looking around to be so bold as to raise your hand. There's no shame in the presence of God. I see that hand. Thank you so much. And just gonna wait again. Thank you. I see that hand. Amen. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? Just as I look across one more time. Beautiful. I want to pray for. Uh, where did my notes go? That's okay. Um, I want to pray for four groups of people tonight. Four things. For those that want to continue, choose to continue to live a godly legacy. The first one is uh, family and relationships. The second one is, sorry, the first one is family and generations. The second one is marriage and relationships. Uh, The third one is anxiety and depression and living a life of fear. And um, the fourth one is provision. God's been speaking to me lately that uh, these four areas are the main areas of attack of the enemy. And I believe that we are coming into a time where these are the areas that we need to strengthen as carriers of the Holy Spirit. And so we need to realign ourselves with the Word of God once again. If that's you tonight, I would just love to pray for you. You don't have to come out the front. You don't have to raise your hand or anything. It's a heart check. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you for every person in this room tonight. I thank you for the generations represented. I thank you for the houses, the families represented. And Lord God, I pray the hedge of protection over each and every one of them. Fear, you have no place here. Anxiety, you have no place here. Depression, you have no place here because as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. And I come at you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. And so you have to flee. Lord God, I, I thank you for our strong marriages that would be a testimony to your goodness your faithfulness. I thank you for uh, abundant provision to every family here tonight, every person here tonight. And I just thank you that you give us the Word of God as a guarantee. It never changes, but it teaches us on how to live a godly legacy. And we love you. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.